0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: <laughs> let
2: us begin. Oh, I wish I had my whistle on Damn. Uh, Welcome, one and all, to Fusion Fellowship Group. Great night, Uh, Cinco de Mayo! Happy Cinco de Mayo! Yeah, 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 baby! Great food. Uh, Shout out to Anna bringing the taki shells; those are really good. Shout out to Brenda who, whatever that's called, she made mucho. Oh my gosh! What's it called? Anyways, pretty good. Lechon. Yeah. Um, Yeah, great food. Help yourself to more. Potentially after teaching, maybe even during. We'll see. I won't be offended. Yeah, Justin won't be offended. I will.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: anyways, we have Derek and Justin teaching tonight at the First Timothy. This is our new book, second teaching, so it should be a good one. Law and Order. Oh, love that show. Oh, oh. SVU though, um, SVU. Afterwards, I think we're just kind of hanging out, partying. Uh, Brenda has a special surprise for us. It may be a piñata boot, or it may yeah. not be. A.K. It is. Look right behind oh, you. Piñata right. boot.
1: Oh, what's oh, no. that going to be? Surprise! These boots
2: were made for whacking oh, and breaking. Nice. So great. that that'll be the after activity tonight. It'll probably be one swing. We'll see. No, Freddy makes it pretty strong, um, so that'll be fun. <laughs> kind of just hanging out tonight. Now, uh, let's see. This Saturday's CTs, 5, four p.m. Right here is a big Bible study so come check that out if you haven't yet also next Thursday somebody has rented out the building for a wedding rehearsal oh. and so we will not be meeting inside oh. instead we'll be meeting at the pavilion right yes. out there pray for good weather Ooh. but even if not, hey it's pavilion whoever's teaching next week, no powerpoint oh. so oh. swish oh. Right. Yeah, wait,
4: oh. I mean I guess we could bring TV <laughs> out there but hey, we'll see
2: stay tuned uh, another big announcement, Memorial Day Very weekend, awesome, um, we have a party here on that Saturday. I forgot the date, 20-something. Yeah. Craig remembers, 28th, he's a doctor. So the 28th of May, there's going to be a giant party here at the study center. I think it goes from like noon to like throughout the night. So feel free to come back and go, whatever. So that'll be a blast. That'll be a really cool uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the announcements we have. Right? I the to see finals last week. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Oh, no, no, one more announcement. There Saturday, goes. we need some volunteers, two of them, to run our welcome booth center. Please let me know ASAP, because we need two people in there welcoming people on Saturday. And we have, we're we on this month, so we got to find some people. So. Let me know if you can do Saturday at 4 p.m. Welcome.
3: Cool. All right.
2: It's going to be there. Oh, <laughs>
3: Oh. justin on <laughs> all right hello hello everyone I'm Justin nice to meet anyone who I don't know and hi everyone I do so yeah tonight we're going to be talking about the law which is interesting because for those of you guys who pay attention to the news there was in fact giant news regarding the law that was released this week
1: well there was news
3: well it wasn't news, You know, it's uh, a leak of a uh, Supreme Court decision that's going to change uh, Roe versus Wade. That's, that's a law that's been around for 50 years, which for like our country, that's a long time. That's like a fifth of the life of our country. However, tonight we're going to be talking about God's law, which has been around much, much longer and doesn't change. So, just as a quick refresher, last week we were talking about this. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So that's what we were talking about last week. This week we're transitioning into the law. And this is going to be a subject that a lot of uh, non-Christians don't understand. A lot of Christians uh, struggle with, for that matter. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about... What the role of the law is, what did God intend it for, and why was it given? So, with that, if I can get a couple people to pray, and then we'll get started. Yeah, well, Lord, wow. thank oh, uh, well, Lord, thank you
5: so much for getting us together tonight. <clears throat> I pray that you would just be speaking powerfully through Justin and Derek. Um, I thank you, that.
0: You want to that you could help that. If communicate clearly through this teaching, you know, thank We get have a meal together, Lord. That's a really cool thing. <laughs> um, I pray for this time too. I pray that we would, we would be able to hear what you have to say. Uh-huh. Uh, your word is uh, eternal. Um, everything else is going to fade away. Your word is going to last forever. And so I pray that as we get into it, as we um, talk in your word, Lord, that we would be open to hearing from you, um, that we would be open to instruction from you, that we would um, we want to let you into our hearts to change us uh, in a way that you want to change us.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: And I pray against the enemy, we have an enemy God who is, um, he's opposed to what we're doing here, and he's opposed to what you're doing here, uh, but Lord, we thank you that you're with us and you're among us, and we pray that you would support his efforts to... Um, distract us or dissuade us from being able to hear from you. I pray we would do that when we hear from you, the creator of the universe, because you care about us deeply.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I just uh, want to lift up tonight to you. Just pray that you'd be working through uh, Derek and I. Just, uh, yeah, pray that your spirit would really be moving this meeting, that we'd be uh, being better able to understand your law, Lord, and what its purpose even is. Um just pray for a good time afterwards? Uh, just thank you for all this delicious food. because Man, I love tacos. Oh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. So yes, like I said, tonight we're going to be talking about the law. It's uh, going to be pretty cool teaching. So let's get right into it. Can someone read for me these verses? Some people have strayed from these things. I've
2: turned aside for this discussion. I want you to keep the law. Even though they do not understand either what they are saying or what matters about which they make confident assertions,
3: but we know that law is good if one uses it lawfully. Okay, so it's saying some people have strayed from these things, they've strayed from what things? That goal of our instruction that we that I talked about this uh, verse where they say the goal of our instruction is love, they've changed it. They're more like the goal of our instruction is in fact law from more like a corrupt heart. From maybe a seared conscience. So they've really been changing it up. And that's why Paul's writing uh, this section here. uh, What he wants to address. So this is what they're straying from. uh, The goal of our instruction, that is love. So the verse said, the law is good though, for if you use it lawfully. So let's dig into it. First, let's talk about what is the law. The law is simply the uh, Old Testament Ten Commandments and the 600 other commandments there that God laid down that helped to govern the nation of Israel. And so he said in this verse that they were into some fruitless discussion. And, you know, lawyers like to be very nitpicky. They uh, go into detail with things. They, you know, try and just strain things apart. And this happened uh, even back then. Lawyers were the same. Uh, this happened a lot to uh, Jesus when he was doing his ministry on earth. The Pharisees, who were the teachers of the law in his day, would constantly come up to him, asking him all kinds of questions uh, about the law and, you know, getting very fine detail, talking about things like marriage and divorce and keeping the Sabbath holy. And there's one instance that's uh, written about in Matthew 12. It's also in Mark 3, where the teachers of the law, it's the Sabbath. Um, You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, just in case you guys don't know. And they saw that Jesus was going to heal this guy who had this shriveled up hand. And before he does, they ask him, Jesus, is it lawful (coughs) to heal on the Sabbath? Because wouldn't that be work? And Christ looks at them and responds very, uh, I think, very well. He says, let me ask you this. Is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And he goes ahead and heals the guy's hand. Christ was showing uh, that these guys don't understand the law. Uh, They don't know how to use the law lawfully. So what does it mean? What does it mean to use the law lawfully? Can someone read
6: these words? Realizing the fact that the
3: law is not made for
6: a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers,
3: for the murderers. Right. So, there are basically two uses, two ways to use the law lawfully. The first is, To suppress unrighteous behavior. You know, it says that the law is not for the righteous person. What's that mean? What is a righteous person? What does righteous mean? Uh, The way it's used here in the Bible basically means someone who has a good standing, a right standing before God. So then, who is unrighteous? You know, that's who the law is for then. And there's an answer to that. Paul uh, writes about it in the book of Romans. Uh, as it is written there is no righteous person not even one easy easy enough to understand nobody's righteous this is why the law is necessary because we humans have a fallen nature Uh, we are lawless we're rebellious um, and the law one of its uses is to suppress this evil behavior it can't address attitudes you know it can't also do anything to spur people on to the goal of our instruction to go out and love people You know, imagine that like if uh congress were to go and pass a law where they said you have to go every citizen must go out and love your neighbor that would be ridiculous imagine taking someone to court over that being like hey i asked my neighbor for help mowing my lawn and he said no Like, that would be absurd. You can't legislate love. So this use of the law to suppress unrighteous behavior, that's a good thing. That's a good use of the law. The second use is to reveal sinful hearts. And this is a unique feature in the law of God. Uh, The law, it acts as a mirror. What do I mean by that? Let's say, let me draw a picture for you guys. Let's say you're in Florida, and, you know, you you go to the beach, and you're having a good time, spending it with your family, and, uh, you know, some people are giving you some weird looks, but you're just like, whatever, people are weird, and you go into town, and you go to the best pizza place ever, pizza time, right there in St. Augustine, and you get your pizza, and the pizza guy's looking at you kind of weird, and you're like, what is this guy, new or something? What's up with that? And you go on. You know, you'd uh, eat your meal, go home, and you're washing your hands, and you look up in the mirror, and you notice your face is just covered with sunscreen. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Absurd. Surely someone would have told you that your face was covered in sunscreen. (laughs) The, The mirror's purpose here, the law's purpose is to show that there's an issue. Show that you just look like a doofus with sunscreen all over your face. You need to rub it in, right? That's what the law's purpose is. It shows you the issue. It doesn't fix it for you. The mirror's not going to reach out and rub in your sunscreen. It's not how it works. So this issue that the law shows us is what the Bible calls sin. It's the root of uh, why there is evil in the world why there's this evil behavior. And the law reveals how helpless we are as humans to deal with it, and that we need God's help, and we need God's grace. Can someone read for me this verse? Romans 3.19.
0: Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God.
3: Right. So the Bible says everyone knows and they're conscious that they're guilty of sin, that they've done something wrong. And that's the purpose of the law. If it's properly understood that it's going to have this effect, you know, that this verse says it will close every mouth. Uh, that's getting rid of the excuses and make people accountable to God to see clearly that how far we actually are from God's standard. And there's verses all over. Uh, can I get a few readers? We got Romans 3.23, that describes this issue.
5: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
3: Excellent, thank you. And this one?
5: What then, are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no righteous person, not even one.
3: Right, and then we have James 2.10 that says, Forever keeps the whole law, and yet stumbles at one point, has become guilty of all of it. Perfection is God's Uh, Legal standard. And God is going to be the ultimate judge of humankind. So is there anyone out there that's going to be able to claim, yes, I am perfect? Certainly not. And this is a a unique facet of God's law. And it shows us just how unloving people are. As it talks about in these verses, for the whole law is fulfilled in the one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then this one, can someone read this for me?
1: Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another.
3: For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Right, right. And then there's this one here too. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. All of these verses go to prove this single point that if we were naturally loving, we would have no problems following the law. But we aren't. There's something else. We need something else. (coughs) So let's read on in our passage here in First Timothy. Can someone read these verses for me?
2: Realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and worldly, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. According to the glorious gospel of blessed God, with
3: which I have been entrusted. Mm-hmm. So this this uh, passage here is showing the, these two types of uses for the law. It lists these behaviors: killing your mother and father, you know, being a slave trader, etc. And also lists attitudes where it's you know lying, breaking your promises. And you notice that it keep, it has holds up lying and murder as equally evil. In the sight of God. You know, it doesn't matter whether you've lied or you've killed someone. Like we saw in that James 2.10 verse. If you've done none, you are considered guilty of the entire thing. So we shouldn't get caught up in which sin is worse. It doesn't make any sense. And this demonstrates what Paul says in Romans 7.14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly, sold into bondage to sin. God's law reveals that there's a spiritual problem facing everyone. We're all lawbreakers, uh, according to God's standard. And I think Christ really did a good job of expanding on this uh, to help us understand just how short we fall. Uh, in Matthew 5, it talks about this. Can someone read this for me?
0: You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not murder And whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, "You good for nothing," shall be answerable to the supreme court. And whoever says, "You fool," shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell.
3: Right? Wow. I think you know. I probably said called person a fool at least three times today. Oof. He goes on and does the same thing here in uh, Matthew five twenty seven twenty eight. says, You have heard it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's a very tough standard that Christ is putting up here. And Christ goes on to do this with several other of the commandments that were in the Old Testament. And his purpose here is to really show what's at the heart of God's law. To show just how far sh- short we fall. How short we fall. But don't worry. Maybe you guys are thinking, nah, I can do this. I can prove my righteousness through the law. christ got a solution for you. He, he explains it in the very next verse. It says, now if your right eye is causing you to sin, just tear it out and throw it away from you. For it's better to lose one part of your body than for the whole to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand is causing you to sin, just cut it off and throw it away from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Very simple. Christ is basically saying if you want to use the law as your source of righteousness, it's simple. Just become a blind quadriplegic. You can do it. Easy. Easy money. And I'm looking around here and I don't see any blind quadriplegics. So there must be another way. And this is what the law points to. Uh, And Paul points this out in several different places. We'll look at Romans 5.20. Can someone read this for me? The law came in so that the offense would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Right. So, this first part, how can the law cause sin to increase? Well, let's, let me give you a hypothetical. Just hypothetically, let's say you go to the Cleveland Museum of was it Art, uh, oh and there's all these signs there, right? You know, don't touch the historic artifacts, do not touch, please don't touch. And all these signs are pointing out, you can't touch the things. And you're there, and, and I'm, I'm there with my wife, Lenny, And hypothetically, of course. <laughs> hypothetically, Lenny, like, what would you want to do? You see all these signs that say, don't
1: touch what do you 100% mean? touch all of the things. All the things. Getting <laughs> yelled at. yelled at by a
2: Russian security officer and told, me, if you touch anything else, you're going to be kicked
3: out and never walk like Hypothetically speaking. Just hypothetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is exactly what Paul's talking about here. Uh, you know, you were never really supposed to touch the artifacts. The sign just pointed out that it's wrong to do so. And so that's the purpose of the law. It shows us how many different areas we've blown it. Not just in the ways we think we've blown it, but in so many other ways that we've got to, gone against God and his character. But it means that God's grace, God's forgiveness is all the more valuable. Can someone read this verse for
6: me? Therefore the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith.
3: Yeah, this word guardian, uh, in the original Greek it means like child conductor, which would be like uh, a tutor, basically. It's someone that leads this child around, teaches them what they need to know. And that's what it's illustrating here, uh, that this law is basically to show us to Christ. And he says it again in a couple different verses, Romans 3.28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of law. Right And Galatians 2.16 Nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law, since by works of the law no flesh will be justified. All of the law points to the fact that we cannot be good enough. Uh, We need something else. But there is good news. Uh, God offers his grace. He offers her his forgiveness. He came he, in the flesh. He died on the cross as a substitute for us to pay for this sin that uh, we've caused, to make us right for God, to take our place. This is at the heart of the gospel. This is what it's talking about here in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. You can't work for it, so that no one may boast. Everyone, every single one of us needs God's grace. We need God's forgiveness. So now Derek's going to get up here, and he's going to expand on this idea.
4: That's on this, right? There it is. So, so Justin explains super well what living under the law is like and how you should definitely do it. Living under grace is a lot more advanced, and I would even go so far as to say it's kind of scary if you think about it. Could somebody grab this first?
5: All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up.
4: Uh, That's not bad. But I'm afraid you guys might miss the point. Could you read it again, please?
5: Sure. All things are um, lawful. All things are lawful. Uh, all, things are lawful.
4: <laughs> all things are lawful. All of them. It's crazy. And this is the gospel. None of us can deserve it. None of us can earn it. But all of us can have it. Even Jeffrey Dahmer claims to have accepted Christ on death row. And if that's true... We'll meet him in heaven, and you know, if that kind of rubs you the wrong way, I don't really blame you. It's wild. The gospel is offensive. Does someone mind reading this entire section of First Timothy? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I thank Christ, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength,
2: and he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might
5: display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God,
2: be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
4: Great, thank you. So, Paul, the man who would write about half the books of the New Testament, put in the Bible that he is the worst of sinners. (laughs) Put it right in there himself. (laughs) This is good and helpful for us as well. I can by no means consider myself better than any of you. I've lived in my head. I know all the terrible things I've thought and even worse, some of the things I've acted on. And earlier in my spiritual walk, I used to talk to people who were doing incredible things and always used to piss me off. They would say, you know, God is really working in this situation even though I'm so shitty. I'd be like, what the hell, dude? You're doing great stuff. Why would you say that? It's actually really freeing and really useful to keep that in mind. Like, we're only blessed to have God doing things despite us. It's not something we can earn. So, and I know you've heard it before the importance of not falling back under the law, but it's a lot easier to just try to act better than to actually let God improve your character and then to actively seek Him out and be aware. Of how much you need him now i know it's really easy for me to fall back under the law and when that happens to me i'm scared to show up to meetings like this i'm afraid that my friends are going to ask me hard questions they're going to find out what's going on with me and i'm going to be destroyed by that usually i try to keep people at arm's length make a lot of jokes hope that my wife doesn't mind going home early she always does But under grace, I can show up with a mission. I can know what my brothers and sisters in Christ need, and I can show up to love them. And it's so much more freeing to not be so stuck, so focused on myself, care more about them. And it's hard, too, because the world is set up for the law. Like, when you show up to work, your boss doesn't ask about your heart attitude. He doesn't care about how much you love him. (laughs) He just wants you to hit the quota. He just wants you to hit your numbers. Grace is a lot more complicated than that. Under grace, you're required to just be consistently aware of your need for the Lord and just how bad you really are and to constantly go to him with that. And that's not something the law can help you with. So, like, imagine with me the last time you were driving on the highway and a cop pulled out behind you. I guess you probably straightened your back, you made sure you were attending to, probably slowed down a little, maybe you turned off the music, you know, like that would help. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine that cop pulled you over, came up to your window. Hey, do you have any idea how straight you were going? (laughs) That's not that's not what happened, okay? That's not the point. And like let me me point out some possible symptoms for if you might be under the law. Like like I was explaining earlier, you might be really easily irritated with people. Um, You might be worried they're going to call you out for something or hurt your feelings because you'll be so easily destroyed, so self-focused. You might be very negative. Um, You might be only aware of what's going wrong in your life, what's going wrong in your own heart. You might struggle to be grateful for the things that are going well, the things that God are doing. And you might find it very difficult to admit when you're wrong. You might be quick to say things like, oh yeah, I didn't respond the best, but it's more about like what he said to me. And you don't really know the situation. It's a lot harder to just admit that you've done something wrong than to you know, hide it and run away from it that way. And you know, one more thing about being under the law is that you might be more susceptible to burnout. Um, For you guys on the Albert side, I can only imagine the heartache you went through when a ton of your people just left at like a moment's notice. That must have been really awful. That must have really hurt. You must have been really tempted to join them or maybe just give up completely. Maybe you still are. Um, If that's the case, I just want to encourage you to please keep fighting. We're really glad that you're still here. And finally, being under the law alienates you from God. Can someone grab Hebrews 4.16, please?
1: Let us then
0: approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive
4: mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you. So we're called to walk right into the throne room with God because we belong there. We are fallen. We are broken. We are horrible. We've made a lot of terrible mistakes. But God says, walk right into this throne room. It's where you belong. So I want you guys to imagine with me two days of your life. One day, you woke up early. You were excited. You were happy. You got to work early. You got a ton of stuff done. Your boss was like, hey, great job. So proud of you. You talked to a couple of your coworkers. They were like, Wow, God's clearly doing a ton of stuff in your life. You know, maybe I'll come to one of these Bible studies, and you're like, you know, that makes sense. I am awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you drive home, your spouse or your roommate, they're going through a really rough time. You talk it out with them, you pray together with them, they're feeling a lot better. You spend some time in your word, you go to sleep. You know, good for you. You were encouragement, you are helpful to everyone that you encountered that day. What a great day. And then another day. <laughs> Okay, I didn't choose one to be man and one to be woman. They're just funny pictures. So this other day, right? (laughs) This other day, you wake up late. You're in a bad mood. You're running late to work. You cut somebody off. You flip them off. You see that they look sad about it. And you're like, great, be sad. (laughs) You get to work and your boss is like, you know, you should be careful about showing up late. And he's like, eat beans, Mr. Henderson. You're lucky I showed up at all. You do a really bad job all day. You cuss out one of your coworkers. You drive home. You like, you're in such a bad place. You pick up a 12 pack on the way. You just like chug some beers. You probably look at porn on your phone. You probably just go to sleep. You weren't encouraging or helpful to anyone you talked to that day. You hurt everyone's feelings. They were worse for the experience. So on which of these two days did God love you more? It's definitely, no, you guys probably know the right answer, okay? This isn't an LTC quiz, but nobody lives like this. Nobody actually knows that this woman is loved by, <laughs> I mean that the bad, the bad person is loved by God. I know I don't. I know I don't. I struggle a lot with, you know, not feeling like I'm doing enough. And I, I end up alienated from God. I end up afraid of people. And so I'll back this up with a verse that I hope he didn't use. He was right around it. If someone could read that for me, please.
0: For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ
1: Jesus our Lord.
4: Thank you. So this is true. Both of them are equally loved by God. And there's nothing you can do to change that. And only by knowing that even on your worst day, you're this incredibly loved, can you go forth and love other people freely. You don't have to fear their judgment. You don't have to keep yourself covered, keep yourself safe. You can know what's wrong with you and continue to take steps forward in your life. And... You know, all that being said, I really want to challenge you guys with these new cell splits, right? There's going to be some people who, they probably know you're messed up, but they don't know exactly why yet. Don't be afraid (laughs) to tell them about that. Because if you can take these steps forward under this grace, it'll really connect our home church in a new way that I'm looking forward to. That was all I had. Anyone have any angry questions for us, or...? Angry comments? (laughs) Disappointed grievances?
3: (laughs) Thoughts?
5: Something I've been sort of uh, realizing, uh, or read recently, and started trying to uh, be more aware of, uh, is that you you sort of laid out these two uh, very diametrically opposed days. But, like, one of our average, which, I mean, I think all of us have had one of those two days at some point in our lives, but typically there's some kind of weird blend, right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe you're having a great day and then partway through it, something like this takes you out, so to speak, you know, puts you in a bad mood. But uh, that's sort of the. Uh, and know something I've been chewing on is just in an any given moment throughout your day, any given uh, point of, uh, uh, that you're you mess up somehow, and you tempted to put yourself under the law, like, it's each individual encounter with that kind of scenario that uh, you have a decision to make, yeah. uh, and that you can have a terrible day, like, identify, yeah, I screwed up, and then, uh, you know, bind to grace in that moment, and just move on, you know, identify that, you know, who I am is, uh, you know, uh, holy and blameless in the eyes of God, you know, through his his, his son, and I don't have to beat myself up because God always knew this was going to happen. You know, when i going to make things mistake, yeah. and still wants to do stuff with me. You know, that's like uh, it's pretty cool. Even though you don't like feel it in the moment, doesn't make it not true. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that your whole day has to be controlled
3: by one screw up. You know, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That's very true. So.
1: Are you, are you done? I'm sorry. No. Well, thank you both, because both the two ways you touched my heart tonight, just really. So, Justin, I was thinking about, like, you were talking about lawyers and how many people can be. Um, seriously, right? You would know. i lawyers for, like, <laughs> you know, 30 years, and I know. But the best of them, I think, and, and actually, when I think about, the, like, God's law, even, like, and when I try to distinguish between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, so the spirit of the law is God's love Of course, That's the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. And any time that we think about the law, which is good, we have to think about it like in those terms. Like this is, this is meant for our good Yeah. because God loves us. Yeah. And if we approach other people that way, we don't come across as being like, you must follow the law. You come across as being like, God wants what's best for you. Mm-hmm. This is what's best for you. That's the spirit of the law. Yeah. So, and then, Derek, just I swear God was just using me tonight to really touch every part in here, I think. Mm-hmm. Just, because we all do that. Just, we all do that with grace. Grace is complicated, you're right, but because we make it that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we make it complicated, but just it, because it, we, you know, because we want to do it on our own and we want to, all those things that you said, but thank you. So, um, I don't know, how it felt. That's Interesting. Interesting. Interesting.
6: Question. So, Justin, on your part with the hypotheticals, was it actually a hypothetical? One, two? That's a good question. I didn't see hammer there to
3: even yeah. rectify your guys' touching mm, problems. Yeah. He was not. He was not. A, if, he, if he was, I'm sure, hypothetically, uh, my wife uh, wouldn't have uh, touched anything. Because she not. Nah. No, hypothetically, I, I
1: didn't no touch way. a ton of paintings and definitely didn't touch a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, not, definitely not like a
6: 1,200-year-old cannon. <laughs> or, or a suit of armor. Yeah. And he tend to stop. Second of all, yeah. <laughs> he does, does an amazing job <laughs> tonight. Um, third of all, was... M.C. Hammer can't touch this under the law or above the law? What?
1: <laughs> you know,
3: great question. Great question. I'm going to say above the law because he had them the
6: pants. I right? read that because <laughs> of the pants. So. Good. And no one can to touch them. Good answer. And with and that, to I'm done with my question. <laughs> Very well. Right. Very, Very insightful. insightful. Can't touch this.
4: I had a specific question. In your reading, you had quoted a passage from Matthew about yeah. if your hand is sin, cut your hand off, yes. your eyes... Are... Is he being sarcastic? But you said, we're, <laughs> we're not doing that. Right. So does he literally mean for... Not literally, but does he mean for us to take it to that extreme? Or is he... I What's, how do you interpret that best?
3: I I think it's best understood. as like he's pointing out that you cannot... You can't... Um, Use the law for righteousness. You fall short. Like, every time. He's, he's pointing out these hard attitudes that, like... So, so he, he's talking here, I'm pretty sure, to the Pharisees, who mm-hmm. were like, yes, we keep the law very, you know, perfectly. But the <laughs> truth is they, they put the law... They brought it down to a level that they could achieve. And he's showing, no, this is what the law actually means. You cannot keep the law. You can't do it. What you need is... You need God's grace. You need my forgiveness. That's that's what he's pointing out. Like he's showing them the heart of why God gave the law, to show that we cannot match up to it, and that we need uh, forgiveness if we're going to be right by God. So that like he's he's showing the like audacity of like trying to live the law like. You, you might as well be blind and quadriplegic. So if if you were really right. following God's law, you would be blind and
0: right. Okay, right. so right. it is kind, kind of that. sarcasm almost, yeah. then just yeah. kind of pointing it back at him. Yeah, okay. yeah. I yeah. think though he's also pointing to the uh, the severity of even like lusting. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Right. The severity, the how far looking after a woman with lust in your heart, like separates us from God. And he's he's saying, hey, that that thing by itself will separate you from me and you would be better off if you cut your eye out to to, to avoid and to flee from sin mm-hmm. um, because the, the, the consequences and the, the ramifications are so severe that we don't understand um, he's saying man this is serious business and, and, and by all means you should do whatever you can do to get away from that Yeah, I think he's also saying that
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. and so it, it is kind of like nobody in that day did that yeah. They, they didn't cut off their hands and their arms or their eyes, and it wouldn't matter if they did. Because even if you gouged out your eyes, when you heard a woman walking by you or smelled her perfume, you would still lust in your heart mm-hmm. without eyes. Right? And so, um, it, it, it points further to how just how powerless the law is to change our heart. And and the, the, the great need that we have before God for Christ to come, to, to to take the penalty of sin, to bear the wrath of sin for us, and to give us the righteousness of God, because we are just so, uh, we are wicked in our hearts. And he's, that's what he's really pointing out to everyone there, is like, your heart is so wicked, there's nothing you can do about it. And what he says later on, is like, I'm the one that's going to come and fulfill the law. And so Jesus comes to, to die for our sins, to to cure the thing that we can't cure, to give us, forgive us for sins. Mm-hmm.
3: John fourteen six. says. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. thanks, there Sorry. No, no, absolutely. You're you're right. You're right. That's very true. <laughs> Something in a similar vein, because um, you you did a great job,
2: Justin, of just naturally, uh putting forth the law and how, how often it fails. It fails every time try to follow Every time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, every time. And I've been, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with Johnny Depp her trial. Some it's ridiculous. It's just crazy. But man, there is like some messed up stuff going on there. And uh, it's kind of sad because their life, you know, their intimate details of their life are just blasted for the whole world to see. Uh, and I was like, thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, man, where would I be without Christ? Like, that's going to be, that would be me before God the Father. You know, same kind of trial, and he would know everything wrong that I've ever done, not only in action but also in thought, in the deepest, like, darkest depths of my heart. God would know, and he would expose that. Yeah, on the board. And I think that the verse you read, Derek, um, in, in verse fifteen, where Paul says it is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Um, you know, so we don't have to go on trial before God in that sense, nice. yeah. where we are this is the whole purpose of God we know that we fail, we know that our hearts are darkened um, we're separate from God, and yet Jesus came in the way <clears throat> to save sinners even despite that fact yeah. and not only save us, but he regenerates our hearts too, like he changes our minds, he changes the way that we think he changes our innermost being uh, after we come to Christ so like uh, if we want to realize more and more how fallen we are, but two, we have more and more victory in Him to go out and actually love, which is the fulfillment of the um, It's just so beautiful, like twofold, that we don't have to face God's judgment because He came to save sinners, and He's regenerating our hearts. He's given us a new heart. He's teaching us more and more His
3: ways, mm-hmm. even though we're still fallen here and
2: now. Yeah. It's so beautiful what God has prepared for us and what He's doing still to this day. Absolutely.
3: That's one of the things I love about this verse too. Is like, as you like, once you become a Christian, you're like, yeah, I, I definitely sinner, definitely needs God's grace. But as you grow and grow and grow in your relationship with Christ and understanding, you see, oh, I really need God's grace. Like I didn't even realize how, you know, how evil I was. And like that's what Paul's expressing right there. Is just like, oh, thank God for grace. Thank God I yeah. got this forgiveness because. I see so much,
2: but one thing is, you know, you cool. got, you know, God's grace, love, forgiveness, but it also has been healing. Yeah, you know, like it's serious too, like dealing with bitterness and envy and jealousy and all these things because they destroy us for the relationship. So it's mm-hmm. like we now have the power to change. We're new creatures, so we want to try to live out who we are, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because He wants to bring restoration and life into our being, you know, so that we can be different, you know. So there's that too. So it's like, it's not like, oh, we just, you know, there's no big deal, but it's, you know, it's covered by grace, but then it's like, we're empowered
1: to live differently. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I love that you mentioned um, Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Yeah. So I've been walking with the Lord for a little bit, and I think that I have a little bit of understanding of grace, but it's interesting to me, like when you said that, something inside of me is like, uh, Yeah. For sure. Maybe
4: I don't understand. Not that guy. Yeah. There's got to be some limits, my God. Right. Exactly. And there's not with the Lord. And I've heard it said somewhere a long time ago, and I think it's true. When we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked.
1: We're going to be absolutely shocked if it was there. Right. For
6: sure. People
2: look at that and think, how so, how, how, how so bad, how many people
1: that us? Right. I <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: Paul said that like, uh, you know, I didn't know what coveting was before the law said it. I and mean, then like, found out I'm a big coveter. And as you stated,
6: the older we get, or the more mature we get with Christianity, the more we're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. Y'all know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: I think we've got to end it on eh? <laughs> that. A couple people well,
1: want to well, pray? And... We, well, oh, so I'm so here's got this
0: dude called oh, saying, the, the one that one of you guys said he wrote, I don't know, he wrote so much of the New Testament, this guy. And, and he's got the same, as you read his letters, his, uh, his addressing his own sin increases like this. And here he's later in life, and he says, "Of whom I am the worst sinner." Um, And so, here is a guy that um, that killed Christians, that persecuted Christians, that persecuted the Church of God. Um, He says, "I am the worst sinner," and he says that so that um, in him, the worst sinner, Christ might display his immense patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Because it's like, so, so here is a guy. It's not about what we do. It's about our forgiveness of, by God. Um, because this guy recognizes the fact that he's a terrible sinner. And he also recognizes that God picks this terrible sinner to, to show the abundance of his grace to all of us. Um, to Jeffrey Dahmer or whoever. To Terry. You know, his grace is abundant. And it covers all of our sin. It covers the worst sin. It covers all the sin of the world. That's the abundance of His grace that it talks about here too. I think, mm-hmm. and so I just praise God for that.
3: Yeah. His yeah. grace is abundant for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And that He still uses us, right. even though we are so fallen. Yep. Yeah, He still his, his grace is that abundant. Yeah. Thanks, God. Yeah. Shall we then close it down? Can uh, we get one or two people praying? Do you want to close?
2: Yeah, I think that we can uh, meet still here tonight. Uh, it's so great to be with the brothers and sisters and come before your word and learn from you, God, from what you say and what you say is important to us. Um, so thank you for that, God. Thank you for these two bros preparing and delivering this teaching. Uh, thanks for being with us, God. Thank you for your grace. just far to be surpasses just our darkest thoughts, and uh, the most evil deeds, God, it goes all through, all the way past that, and, uh, it's very, it uh, uh, changes the God, so thank you for that, um, yeah, I just pray for tonight, too, that we'd uh, be able to discuss more and more of your grace, God, and be able to have a sweet fellowship with one another, and
6: Yeah, God. Thanks for coming in, Plush. Through Justin and Derek tonight, you definitely did blow my mind through what your words coming out of their mouth. Sad to say, and I'm uh, assuming everybody else's minds. So, thank you.
4: Yeah, God. I'm very grateful that. You enable us to not have to hide, not have to protect ourselves. I'm very grateful for your grace. It makes it possible to love each other boldly and I'm really grateful for this this group of people to to share that life with Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. 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 Amen.